This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellez interviews Helen Race, the author of The Logical Law of Attraction and Tell Me Where You're Stuck a handbook for moving forward into more success. Helen Race is the author of another book titled Journaling with the Emissarians. She has been helping people find clarity and relief from physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual challenges since 2007. A life coach, her unique and dynamic style combines energy, humor, and compassion to lead people into alignment with their desires, empowering them to live life on purpose with purpose. Helen's multifaceted entrepreneurial background, study of vibration law, and her ability to channel the emissarians gives her unique insight into the mindset that will create and the blockages that will prevent personal success. She is a dynamic teacher and speaker who, with a passionate commitment to support others as they create their own individualized success and live up to their greatest potential. Meet Helen on HelenRace.com. Here is the interview with Helen Race. In your own words, who is Helen Race? <laughs> I am so many things. Uh, professionally, I am life coach, spiritual teacher. My mission statement is to be a catalyst for positive change. And personally, I'm mother, wife, daughter, sister, friend, student, teacher, a little bit of everything. What is success to you these days? What is to be successful? Today? <laughs> yeah, I guess it changed, right, for everyone. Yes, it changes. Uh, today, success is integrating, um, studying A Course in Miracles. So success today would be something I've been working on for a long time. The affirmations I use are that I might be the energy of love that I might see with the eyes of the Christ, that I would know that I'm one with the God who has created me. Uh, and so success to me would be expanding my resonance and my stamina to remember truth and hold that light and see that light and replace all the judgment and darkness that I've made up uh, with the light and the love that I'm seeking. I think you mentioned God. So let me ask you this question. What, where, and who is God to you? 
I think, you know, we are so limited with words. Words are just symbols twice removed. And so for a long time, I wouldn't say the G word <laughs> over Catholic upbringing. Um, and since, uh, you know, for me, it's all about choice. And so coming through, evolving through all those limiting beliefs, painful memories, things I made up about the word, the term God. So God to me represents uh, unconditional love. You could always replace the word God with love. It's just that on earth, we use the word love so much. It's, you know, it can be simple, but we complicate it. You know, like I say, I love pizza. I love my husband. I love my my uh, puppies. <laughs> so I, I see God really as a field of love, like, like gravity is a field. So not as a being, but as a certain um, field of energy. And I desire to, to be able to uh, blend and, and connect and stay connected to that frequency. What do you think or feel is the purpose of the human experience? Oh, it's <laughs> so again, I'm um, a few months into A Course in Miracles. And so I, you know, I believe that we decided to explore through separation, a part of the mind but since God is all there is, we're not really separate. It's just an illusion that we're experiencing. And I think the benefit of it is that without knowing cruelty, it's very hard to choose kindness. Without knowing um, impatience, you can't choose patience. Without knowing a pain, you can't choose forgiveness. So I think the purpose is for us to expand our choice our, our skill and choice so that we could actually choose to be one with the creator we've never actually left except in some part of our mind. Who made that decision for this experiment of being here in the human body? Oh, I just think that, so I have the way I like to tell the story. Um, so it was goddess because it's all feminine energy, uh, just love, just light. So goddess is all rocking it and happy and said, you know, I'm all this, it's wonderful, but maybe I'd like to be more. Well, you can't really be more if you're just one thing. You can't have music from one note. You can't have art from one medium. Uh, and so parts of the divine decided to explore separation, contrast, complexity, uh, light and dark, negative and positive, and again, simply because that would be love too. So like if I really am loving my children without ego, I let them go explore and act age appropriate and have lives that are different than mine and welcome them back with love. Even if I, well, especially today, they live in a, such a different reality than I grew up in with our technology today. Speaking of today, what's happening in 2020? Do you have an idea of the reason, perhaps, why this change has happened with the changes that we have been through and are going through? Is there a purpose for this change? Well, I think the only purpose of Earth is that you can be everything here. You can be victimized. You can be the hero in, in one day. You can be the student and the teacher. You can 
you know, you can lead and you can follow. You can do everything on earth. So my son used to ask me, do you think there'll ever be peace on earth? And I'm like, no, wrong dimension. That's not what it's for here. Um, it's, you know, how else could we explore so thoroughly? And so, yeah, right now with the elections in this odd place of not knowing and even building up to it, some people are really suffering and other people aren't. And that's been true throughout all of history. So I don't think planet Earth has changed much or humanity, just our technology has. So it just gets faster and more intense. And again, it's all the invitation to, can you be the one who chooses to create your own experience of you in any reality? Mm, in any reality, right. Whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, financial pain, spiritual pain, can you find your way to real choice with mind so that you can think the thoughts and take the actions that lead you into the experience you would prefer? What do you love most about being a woman? Oh, I love my um, capacity to, to feel... Uh, to give, to include, to communicate, um, to explore love so easily. Uh, you know, I've just had a lot of practice between children and pets and, and family and students. Uh, I, I love that. <laughs> Have you faced any challenges for being a woman, for being in a female body? Uh, nothing, you know, nothing so uh, noteworthy. You know, the usual insecurities, the doubt. I would say that my challenge has been more uh, with when I got on this path and am wanting to explore energy work and and uh, metaphysics and spirituality. I think that was a lot harder for me. I think as a woman, I spent the first 20 years just so mad. <laughs> uh, tell me about it yeah <laughs> right <laughs> one more question for you before we begin the conversation about your books actually not just one freedom what is freedom to you helen what is to be free freedom would be able to choose my thoughts in any moment so that my emotions could follow freedom would be willing to choose love um, no matter what my body felt like, no matter, no matter what my emotional wounded human body was saying, and no matter what situation I was in, that would be true freedom to me. Are feelings and emotions somehow the same to you? Well, emotions, I consider they are energy in motion. They're a lot stronger, yeah. you know, like laughter or sobbing. Um, and feelings are just a subtler version. Uh, I mentioned, I do mention this in the book. I used to pray not very nicely. They're like, God, really? What's up? <laughs> What's up with all these yeah. emotions? And why is it so hard for us to change? And uh, Carla McLaurin wrote an amazing book, and her blog is incredible. And so each emotion, and then all the feelings that would come under it like the emotion of anger and under anger could be, you know, frustration, impatience. Um, all of them are messages. And so if you could understand the energy and what it, the message it's giving you, ideally the feeling or emotion just runs through you. 
You get the information and you don't need to stay stewing in it. I agree. And that makes me think about intuition. Where does intuition fit in within feelings and emotions? Do you have an idea? Intuition and, you know, I consider intuition like happiness and true joy and bliss, altered states of um, connection to all that is. We don't really hold that. You know, it flows through just like emotion. And so intuition is when you can quiet the mind chatter enough that you can tune in to an intelligence that, you know, we talk above and below here in linear space and intelligence that isn't so polluted with judgment and contrast that is closer to love. And so intuition means you've just dropped enough crazy to to be able to hear it clearly. It's basically listening to the subtleties of being in a way, right, Helen? And I think it's always available to us. Loving support, gut feelings, knowing, nudges, hunches. It's just that usually our minds are too busy to hear them. So how did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and also the intention of writing your two books, The Logical Law of Attraction and Tell Me Where You're Stuck? So I've been teaching for uh, since 2010, just a life coaching spirituality class, which is great because, you know, I've gotten to teach what I'm interested in and learn. kind of like you're doing these great interviews. And students kept saying, look, we know we're asking you the same information over and over. Where's the book? And then one student brought it up again. And I just flippantly said, you know what? I'm not a writer. I just need a ghost writer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Connected me to Cindy Childress, who has a PhD in writing. And uh, we, I paid her. And we wrote The Logical Law of Attraction together. She interviewed me and watched video of me teaching. And then um, we had another encounter with a woman who's a great speaker. And we had lunch and I was getting to learn about her. And she said, well, tell me, she said, I don't, I don't like coaching. You know, she does keynote speaking. And I said, oh, I wouldn't like that. I like interaction workshops. Um you know, having an experience from movement, from one consciousness to more expanded consciousness. She goes, well, how do you start in with private sessions? And I said, oh, pretty much the same way. I always tell people, tell me where you're stuck. And she goes, that would be a great name of a book. You should write that book and I will help you become a speaker. And so, uh, so I wrote that book and had help from somebody who's very good at writing because that's not my calling. A good friend of mine helped with all the editing and hashing it all out. And so, and then somewhere in there in meditation, I heard three books, Amazon by March. And so I was like, wow, okay. So the third book is journaling with the emissarians and it's a journal to write in. So I have some basic questions based on your title of your books. I do really appreciate the content of your book, which I have lots of questions here and some quotes. But for a moment, what is the law of attraction for those who don't yet understand? Law of attraction is a term used for vibrational law about things that resonate together or actually don't match in frequency. 
So you could have law of attraction and things like if um, people have heard of bridges, a bridge has to be designed to be able to withstand different resonance from wind and temperatures or it'll come apart. Or something a little easier for those of us not science or engineer minded, if your dryer is out of balance, it doesn't run well and it makes that big whoomp sound, right? It'll eventually quit running. So everything on earth is vibrational. If you hear crickets over here, crickets over there will respond. If um, you put grandfather clocks two against a wall in different rooms, their pendulums will sync up. Even women, you put a group of women in a dorm room together or have them live together and all their periods will sync up. So everything on earth is about vibrational resonance and law of attraction, the terms used in you know self-help today, it's all about can you be the resonance for whatever it is you want? How do we become clear about what we want? For most people, it's easier to get clear about what you don't want. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then go to the opposite. So often I'll hear people say, well, I, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm like, well, did you write it down yet? <laughs> you know? So I have a four question uh, uh, tool that I always walk people through who are struggling with clarity. And it's figure out what your what is, what's your why, how would you accomplish it, and how will you know you're successful? And what will happen sometimes is if you write all four out, you will change your what you think you want. And so a lot of times, clarity is just lack of engagement with something. It's about asking really good questions. If you don't have enough information about what you think you want, or you can go the opposite way and really get clear on what you don't want, and then figure out what the opposite is. And then you want to find out, well, who's living it? Or what does it really look like? So usually lack of clarity is simply lack of information. It makes sense because if we want to become clear, it's more a process of unlearning, undoing, more than the opposite from my understanding at this point. Well, I always think it's half and half. So a lot of times with law of attraction in the community I would witness and the books I would read, I would see people were all about the vivid visioning, the affirmations, the um, changing beliefs, and yet they didn't know how to think about adding in. So yeah, I'm a big one for all the tools of clearing. I'm um, well known in the Houston area for EFT, tapping, which is a clearing modality. Then I got into teaching and coaching because I realized if you don't know how to choose to think and act differently, the earth mind, the human mind will just loop back to what it knows. So do you believe that we can actually shift and transform in a way that it's not possible to go back to what we have been? I don't know if it's not possible, but, you know, I'll tell you, I used to believe in a punitive God and I used to believe in financial scarcity and had chronic pain that doctors told me would, would only get worse. And so where I am today to go back to those beliefs, it would probably take as much work as it took me to get to them. <laughs> it would take a lot of focus, a lot of thought, a lot of belief work, a lot of 
um, intention setting, a lot of action to match what I would want to believe. Um, I just could never imagine going back. Right. It's not a thought or part of your imagination system, if an imagination is a system. No, it's kind of like been there, done that. It was not pleasant. And I like being happy better. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> right. It, it makes so much sense. Like it really seems like common sense that we all want to be happy. We all want to be peaceful and balanced all the time. Is that possible? How can we find balance within without trying to change the outside world? Well, balance, first of all, wouldn't be all the time because that wouldn't be balanced. So, <laughs> But we do want that. That's interesting, right, Helen? We strive for that. Um, and yet, you know, even in the striving for balance all the time, that's saying it's actually going against the dimension that you live in. Instead, it'd be what if I could constantly be happy that I get a, I get to rebalance? That I get to choose again to balance when I become unbalanced. I'm, I'm actually a binger. You know, if I'm studying spirituality, I am binge studying. And then I might take a break and be more into binge cooking or painting. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'll be eating one way and that's all I want to do. And other times I'll switch it again. And yet overall, my life is very balanced. It sounds very much like uh, inner peace, what I call yes, it. Yes, yes. I think that's maybe a better, a better term. And so for me, balance would always be about, you know, noticing what's going on and how you always reset. So the body is always about balance. It's always resetting your pH. It's always, you know, balancing digestion with hunger um, the earth, too, is all about rebalancing. So I think it's a very natural thing to come out of balance and go back in, in and out, in and out. So if you could have inner peace in that, it could be a lot more fun. Going back to the essential elements for success, talk to me about the other three of them, uh, belief, action and consistency. And so this is always um, on earth. This is how everything's created always. And what I noticed with the law of attraction students or metaphysical uh, friends and colleagues is they just weren't pulling this clarity, belief, action, consistency in and spiritual growth. And yet everything that man makes includes these four parts. So, you know, you can use any example. Um, if you're sitting in a chair Somebody had to really think about the chair, the color, the size, the height, the, um, you know, would it spin? Would it be cushioned? Would it be wood? And a lot of clarity on what they're building. And then they'd have to believe that they can finish it and market it or, or get it out, which would take a lot. And then um, action, you can't just imagine in your mind and it manifests for you um, unless you're very enlightened. So it would be a process of taking all the steps necessary to get a chair created and manufactured and marketed and sold. Okay. And the consistency, that one I think all of us might tend to struggle with a bit, is not getting uh, stopped or stuck with the setbacks or the imbalances that show up in anything. 
And so no matter what you think of that humans have made, they include those four elements. You spoke of enlighten, that word. So enlightenment, what is that to you? That would be, in my opinion, enlightenment would be still participating here in contribution and yet knowing that the human form is the smallest part of your your self, the self that's one with all that is. And so enlightened beings, I mean, we have history of it. We, there are people even today that can... Um, you know, manifest objects out of the sky, out of, you know, into their hands or, uh, you know, travel from here to there. It's almost like lucid dreaming real time. So I believe there are enlightened beings here helping us. I haven't known any personally, but I do believe in them. And I think that the difference is most of their mind is more with source energy, the creator, and not as limited as say my conscious mind which is more anchored in linear time, um, this world as most people see it. Another point I have, you talk about um, energetic legacy. So what would that be? And it's, I always find this fun, energetic legacy. Uh, and I think Cindy, it's in the book, uh, she talks about, she was perceiving that as what she got stuck with from her birth line, right? <laughs> And um, that's part of it. It's forwards and backwards here. It's what came forward from our ancestors. Energetic legacy could also be in science today, epigenetics that we inherit, not just like my freckles are inherited or, or my artistic interest and skill. Uh, also, you know, I inherited my parents and the, my grandparents and all my ancestors' emotional patterns that weren't resolved. So that's one side of energetic legacy, all the energies that haven't been transformed, uh, limiting beliefs, unresolved emotion. And then the other side, my favorite part, is what am I leaving as my energetic legacy to my children, their children, to our mass consciousness, to society, to this world as I move forward? And so um, a, a less airy, airy fairy way to say it. Think of all the women, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, women will never meet. And yet because of their energetic legacy, we can vote, we can change jobs, we can buy houses, we can do all kinds of things that weren't possible even 75 years ago. You speak also in your book about the uh, vibrational law and use the words vibration, frequency, resonance. We just spoke about energy. So I'm wondering, what is the difference between these words? So I, I prefer speaking, you know, I've said God a lot with you, but, yeah. you know, I work with all kinds of people and that's not a comfortable word for everybody. Yeah. So when you talk about it as energy, most people can understand, right? True. And yeah. um, so energetically, like, what do you feel when you walk into a room? Uh, sometimes you can go to somebody's home and you can feel right at home. And other mm, places yeah. you go and you just don't want to touch anything. Right. Or you can walk in and tell if people have been angry. You know, so that that's all energy. And then frequency is the way you describe um, energy, the, the vibration it has. So it's actually like a, like a measurement. 
frequency would be an intense energy, like intense anger, right. or it could be, you know, soothing music. That's, mm-hmm. That means that the frequency of the music, somehow you, your emotional body finds it very soothing, right? In yeah. food, uh, live food, salad, vegetables, fruit, those have, hold a higher frequency, a higher vibration than dead cooked processed food. Right. So frequency is a measurement. And then resonance is about um, how those different frequencies harmonize or come together well. And that's where you get your like attracts like. So, like, think of somebody laughing and they can't stop laughing. And eventually everybody around them will start laughing. True. (laughs) Or you think of politics. And if you watch enough angry politics. Six, you're going to get angry. How do we learn to become more aware of energy and vibrations and frequencies? It, it would be just like anything else. You would have to have clarity on uh, what do you want? What do you want to learn or experience or feel? Yeah. So you'd have your clarity. What are your beliefs about it? Mm-hmm. So you might have to do some research. Um, what kind of actions can you take? Um, you know, of course you want information to educate the mind. So you have more awareness and then what kind of consistency are you willing to put into practice? So if you go the route of meditation or yoga or, um, hands-on healing work or, um, singing bowls or, you know, there's all different ways to experience. And yet you would have to first feed the mind new information so that you could be a consciousness match for what it is you want to explore. And then the more information you get about it, the more clarity you would have on why you're seeking it. And that's the most effective and efficient way uh, to align to it. And there are different prayers and there's, and today there's so much sound technology. There's so many things to help you develop your sensitivities. Talk to me for a moment about how the principles of the seven habits of highly effective people work together with universal laws. But before you answer that question, what are the universal laws? The, the universal, so when I say universal law, it means it works across all time, okay. all generations, all cultures, gender, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. So it would be universal. Law means it gives you a consistent result for the action, right? So Stephen Covey was studying success, I imagine for a doctorate, and he was studying success for individuals, businesses, uh, uh, you know, churches, communities, just all kinds of success at different levels. And he realized there were seven principles or universal laws that were always included. And he wrote this fabulous book. It's not something you could read once. You would want to read it numerous times. And uh, I actually did that a couple of decades ago. And it was really hard for me. I never knew an adult who was living like this or thinking like this. And then you fast forward and I realized, oh, this, if you use these principles, which are universal laws all the time, then you have a better experience in everything, even the really, the things that are not positive. And in having a better experience in any situation, 
then you're a vibrational resonance for more good. So it's, you know, I don't always know what's going to happen. I don't. Bad things happen on earth. I don't know. Um, what's going to happen next? The, the part that I really am appreciative of is I do know how to think, so I know how I'm going to show up. And it's very comforting. I used to be so much fear. And so knowing I don't have control over too much, but I do have control over today, I worked for the skill, how I think. And I use the principles to guide me so that no matter what the situation, I'm aligned to the highest possible outcome. That's the goal for all of us to get to that state of being, state of mind. And I, you know, I always saw in, you know, of course, I'm a bookaholic. I'm a teacher, some of the students always. And in all of it, you know, I was very attracted to the spiritual teachings, choose love. And, but I was like, but how? Nobody's telling me how to do it day in, day out, 24 7 in all changing situations and relationships. I want to know the how. And so knowing how to think through principle based thought for me is the how. Uh, you said something interesting, which has to do with the title of one of your books that we are speaking about. I realized that the law of attraction is logical through channeling. Yeah, explain to me in the audience, what is channeling? How does it work? So channeling is uh, like intuition on steroids, oh. I guess. <laughs> right. So channeling is when you get the personality self out of the way. Something much smarter than your earth personality, something more connected, more loving, non-judgmental um, comes through and you allow it to come through your voice or your actions. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm still amazed at it. I was always attracted to channeled work, reading channeled books, even though I didn't even know what it meant. And, um, and then it, I realized that I was channeling when I'm tapping. I did a lot of EFT in groups and a lot of teaching and great information would come through and I knew I wasn't that evolved. <laughs> so it's so important to be open to, to do the work. And speaking of doing the work, I have a question for you about karmic body. I heard the word a lot and I have read karma, but I never heard this way, karmic body. So you speak about different kinds of bodies. And you also wrote something that I found to be interesting. You said uh, about this alignment. Once you know how to think and align your bodies with what you desire, you become a better match for your best experience and create new patterns of higher vibrations. First, the question is, uh, what is karmic body? I know there are many of them, mental, physical, emotional. You speak of the energetic body, auric, field, spiritual body, and the egoic body. Right. So the karma would be, so with the, the physical body, you have like the inner, you know, the energetic legacy, which would, might be the emotion and of your ancestors and also the gifts, right? The skill set. The karmic, the best definition I ever heard of karma, and I can't remember where I heard this, but I love it, is that the soul self would want to experience 360 degrees of every concept. 
So would not just want to be, um, you know, say, explore being the rapist. It would also want to be not just the victim of the rapist, but also the mother of the rapist and the mother of the victim, the brother, the the friend, the policeman, the chaplain, the, you know, it would just be every exploration times 360 degrees soul could explore. And so, you know, when we talk about karma, it's about what's left unresolved. What have you explored in the contrast in the darkness that you haven't yet also explored the light in? That's what I would consider my karmic body today. And so another way to say it would be every weakness or challenge or discomfort or pain that I've believed I've experienced in this lifetime means that I'm also capable of the same intensity and the opposite as a strength, as a joy, as a, as a gift, if I can just figure out how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. All of us, I think we have the same idea. I'm wondering if we can be free of it, if it's a possibility within this experiment of being a human. Well, I believe so. Uh, each time we choose how to think, each time we choose forgiveness over resentment, each time we choose kindness over, you know, um, cruelty or withdrawal, each time we choose to expand our consciousness, our knowledge, as we build stamina and choice for, for more good, uh, you're naturally resolving karmic experience. And each time we choose courage instead of fear, Right. We get invitations all the time to contribute and show up. And it takes a lot of courage usually. And so each choice, my understanding is each choice that you make uh, for more good is definitely the transformation of the energy of limitation and judgment and and smallness and restriction. I also wonder, Helen, if there is a, a way of being in this choiceless path where you're not making choices anymore? Well, unless an enlightened being who's agreed to be here and do that, um, for the rest of us, I think, uh, it would be that this is the gift that we, we pay forward. This is the energetic legacy we leave. You know, think about it. No one would choose uh, disease or obesity or financial ruin or reputation ruin or bad relationships or um, any kind of suffering. Nobody would choose that. And yet all of us have looped in it or not been able to help ourselves or have not been able to choose something that would, you know, give us something better. I mean, we all have struggled. And so I believe in the emissarians um, that I channel, they say our biggest purpose is to develop the skill of choice. I love exploring those um, other possibilities, the choiceless path, and which I have heard that is connected to intuition, just letting the heart to guide you. And that's when you know you don't need to make choices anymore too, when you're not making them, but your life is happening. Except for then you would have to live every moment in the choice to listen to the heart and keep the heart open. Because that would be, I, I perceive that would be a choice if you're, you know, functioning around other people. 
So even being in that position of not choosing, it is a choice. Yes, I think so. <laughs> it sounds like one. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of now? Uh, that, well, I would say chronic pain was a hard one. Um, the hardest lesson was learning that with all the skill I had, it wasn't too long ago, about two years ago, I got my feelings hurt and I couldn't come out of it. And I have so many tools and protocols and I have such an amazing skill set. And so the hardest lesson or the hardest challenge in that was that sometimes it is karma and sometimes it is energy and you just have to hunker down and keep choosing right action even while you are struggling with the mind. So I feel very good that I didn't create from the judgment and pain. And yet I was so challenged that it lasted like a year. I really struggled. It was like going backwards to me, except for that no one in my life would know I was struggling with it. So it didn't spill over. It didn't come out in, you know, any actions or anything. Yet that was, a, that was really challenging. I was surprised. And If I really look at it, that's also the year I got the books out. Um, it, nobody else would see that it was challenging. It was a very highly productive, creative year. And so it's an, it doesn't seem as bad as the suffering I've done in the past. Um, but I think I'm more sensitive to it now because I've been happy for a long time. In a way, the message is that we are not immune to challenges and pain while in the body. Well, I always say that, you know, whatever it is you're asking for, then every single thing in all your bodies, all your karma, all your history, your past lives, your ancestors, your genetics, your DNA, your belief systems, everything that is not a vibrational match for what you want has to come to the surface to be transformed. Well, you know, I have big desires to know myself as the energy of love, um, to reach enlightenment uh, sooner rather than later, this lifetime or in a few. And so everything has to come to the surface. I just didn't, I was just shocked at my skill didn't go as fast as I would have liked it to at that point. <laughs> What is healing to you, Helen? So I, I don't... Um, You know, I was always interested in the healing work. Now, now I don't say that so much because I have a different understanding of it. So healing is the transformation of energy from a lower frequency into a higher frequency. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I can honestly say to you right now, no. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today, as of now? Uh, three things I know about life that you can't get it wrong. You can, however, learn to have a better experience. Yeah. Uh, that we are a part of the whole. And it's fascinating to learn about the different levels, layers and complexities of what that means in this form. And uh, that happiness is a resonance worth building stamina for. You know, as, as, a, as a species, we don't have much stamina for happiness yet. I, I don't mind going first, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
true. <laughs> Another one came to mind about the loss of the physical body. With the understanding you have today of what life is about, have you lost that fear of losing the body? I believe so. I guess we won't know till you know it's gonna happen. I mean, I think there's it depends on the type of death, but I actually um use that as a as an exercise. I visualize letting go of identity, personality, family, pets, uh delicious food, uh beautiful sunsets. You know, I, I meditate that when it's my turn to go and my time, I visualize it and uh, and create joy in letting go of one form and transitioning into to the next level. So it has been a peaceful, meaningful, refreshing, uh, love your presence, your mission, your words, everything. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you. And one technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You can find me on my website. It's my name, Helen. It's pronounced race like a race car. Uh, it's spelled R-A-C-Z. So it's HelenRace.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Helen Race and her work, please visit HelenRace.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.